welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Conversations presented by SAP. The best run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game changing technologies and business strategies to challenge the status quo and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. That's right. I said it four times. And if you know what that means, it's code for we have four people on the panel today. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have an interesting quote from a gentleman named Colin or Colin M. Engel. He is the chairman, CEO, and founder of iRobot. He previously worked at NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab. Very interesting where he participated in designing behavior-controlled rovers that led to Sojourner exploring Mars way back in 1997. Here's the quote. It's going to be interesting to see how society deals with artificial intelligence, but it will definitely be cool. I would expect nothing less from somebody who did that kind of background work. So what are we talking about today? When humans and computers work together, come on, you must have a bot somewhere, Alexa or Siri. You're working with a computer, whether you know it or not. They and we together can do amazing things that neither could do alone. For example, Today, if you think about designers, industrial designers, software designers, anybody designing anything, we think of these people as needing creative intelligence, uh uh-huh, social intelligence. Well, on the human side, they need empathy. They need to be able to frame problems. They need to have a creative approach to problem solving. They need to negotiate, and they need to be persuasive on all levels of the development journey. Who qualifies for that? Not a lot of people today. However, and you know there's a caveat, if we take AI, artificial intelligence, and we give it a boost, we jet fuel it into people skills, non-designers can develop and have these skills. What's the result? Wait for it, everyone. In the future, you and you and you will be a designer. As a matter of fact, a 2016 Harvard Business Review article reported that AI will redefine business management, advising our managers to act more like designers. We'll take a step back and think about how your manager acts today. So this is actually part two of a topic we covered on this series just a few weeks ago in June, on June 26, 2018. Officially, the topic is AI, designing the future of humanity. I didn't say for or with or by designing the future of humanity. So welcome, and we're delighted to have back the same panel in a slightly different order. Let me tell you who they are. First up in a moment, one of our favorite futurists. I know he's probably blushing. Frank Diana, managing partner, and his official title also includes the word futurist at TCS. Thrilled to have him back. Another returning guest, Marisol Kabahug, the chief design officer at SAP, a very busy and smart lady, and we're delighted she's taking time to be with us again today. Third up on the panel, Ian Gertler, founder and CMO at a company. Ian, is it Simple Gaties? Remind me, how am I pronouncing it? It's actually Simplegades. 
Um, Simplegates. You know what? I have to put I have to put an accent somewhere in that word. Simplegates. You're going to have to remind me of that. Thank you, Ian. And rounding out the panel is Masha Kroll, K-R-O-L. She's an experienced designer at a company called Element AI, and her experience as an experienced designer is really key to this conversation. So welcome, 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 welcome to our panelists. Again, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very happy to be here. This is an important topic. So let's start off with... The new opening quotes my panelists sent me, they had wonderful inspirational quotes a couple weeks ago. Now we have a new set of quotes. Frank Diana at TCS has sent me a quote from FDR. Those of you who are too young to know that part of alphabet soup, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I didn't know he was a senior, Frank. I didn't know he had SR after his name. FDR was an American statesman, political leader, and the 32nd president of the U.S. from 1933, year of the big crash, until his passing in 1945. He won a record four presidential elections. He directed the federal government during most of the Great Depression after 1933, and his third and fourth terms were dominated by World War II. And scholars rate FDR as one of the three greatest U.S. presidents. Frank, do you know the other two who are in that elite group? Do you remember? I do not. I do not remember. Washington and Lincoln. There you go. There you go. So mm. here's the quote. Fred. Sorry about the pop quiz, Frank. Frank will still always like me. I know that. Here's the quote from FDR. The country needs, and unless I mistake its temper, the country demands bold, persistent experimentation. Frank, Diana, welcome back. How have you been? I've been great. Thanks for having me back. We're always delighted. You told me last time if I don't invite you back often enough, you're going to go through Game Changers Radio Withdrawal, and we cannot have that. We, we cannot have that. Frank, I love the quote from FDR. I love the part about the country demands bold, persistent experimentation, and here we are talking about AI and people. So give me your take on the quote, please. Well, that's the part of the quote that I, I like as well. But if you think about the, the terms that FDR presided over, it was a very tumultuous time in, in human history, in U.S. history. Uh, and I really do think, given everything that you just teed up, that we're, we're heading towards that same kind of tumultuous time. And so the boldness that he speaks of, the, the need for experimentation, I think, has never been more critical. And all the things that we just talked about with AI and creativity and design and, and where us as a human species are heading, I think we're at that same point in history. And he was a great leader. And so the question is, you know, leadership of, of our day and can we tackle some of the challenges that we're facing? Thank you very much. It, I think it would be fascinating, Frank. You know, I do this very often when we have a quote from a person who is no longer alive. Imagine what he would know, what he would say and think, what he might react when he knew somebody like you who's called a futurist. And maybe he was in his day because he had to think what was coming next, right, Frank? But if, right. if he knew that there was something called Internet, radio, AI, designers, what would FDR say? Wow, this is really cool. I didn't know people would remember me that long. Or what would he say? Oh, my God, what a, what's the world coming to? What do you think his reaction would be? Well, when in his day, uh, I guess people thought the same thing when horses were displaced by cars. Uh, I, I mean, we've experienced this throughout history where something emerges that we say, wow. And, and you think about the generations before and what would they have thought, right? I think it's, this is obviously much more impactful, at least in my estimation, in terms of what's coming. 
Thank you very much, Frank. Welcome back. And now let's go to Marisol Kabahug, Chief Design Officer at SAP, her newly recent title. And Marisol has selected a quote from Yuval Noah Harari, born in 1976. That's a kid as far as I'm concerned, an Israeli historian and tenured professor in the Department of History at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. He is the author of international bestsellers, Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind in 2014, and Homo Deus. D-E-U-S, A Brief History of Tomorrow from 2016. And the quote, I believe, is from the Homo Deus Brief History of Tomorrow. And here's the quote Maricela selected. It's a long one, everyone, so take a sip of something. The greatest scientific discovery was the discovery of ignorance. Once humans realized how little they knew about the world, they suddenly had a very good reason to seek new knowledge, which opened up the scientific road to progress. Maricel Kabahug, welcome back. How have you been? Thank you. I'm glad to be back, Bonnie. We're delighted. I love this quote. Maricel, when I, I read the first sentence, the greatest scientific discovery was the discovery of ignorance. Talk to me. How did you find the quote? And we're talking AI. We're trying to get smarter. So what kind of ignorance are we discovering now? Um, yeah, he's, um, Yuval is one of my uh, favorite authors. I mean, I, I read his, um, his um, latest books, um, and, and they're really very good. Um, what I like about this is um, let's not kid ourselves. Um, with AI, um, we, we are moving into a, an unknown territory here. And, um, you know, the more we know that we do not know or the more we, um, we can try or we try to predict the more, um, the more different the outcome will be. And, and, and that's because um, one of the things that's great about humans is we adjust. As we gain more knowledge, um, we change. Um, and when we change, um, the future outcome changes. And, and mm-hmm. that is my hope um, for all of us, and especially um, designers, that we, um, we seek more knowledge. And as we seek more knowledge, um, we design um, AI and we design intelligent systems uh, to be beneficial um, to us and, and so that we have a future that um, is not scary or um, the doomsday that, that everyone predicts um, can be avoided. Um, and, and that we have a future that um, we can all enjoy um, together with um, our AI um, counterparts. Thank you very much. A very interesting. A future together with our counterparts. I've never heard it phrased quite that way, Maricel, and you're including them like they're coming to the dinner table. They're coming to the conference <laughs> table. The, uh, and is that how, tell me, is that how you think about it? You're a chief design officer. How do you think of AI, these chatbots? Do they have personalities to you? Or are they just, oh, there's some AI bot over there in the corner. We'll have to use it today. What's, what's your feeling? Do you have a feeling about this? Um, yes, r- right now they are, um, you know, they're exactly what you just described. Like we look at them as, as, as tools, they augment us and so on. But, um, you know, if, if, uh, if we look at where we're going and the more, the more, um, AI, um, becomes, um, the more they become uh, powerful, uh, the more we should look at them as, as, um, as, um, I, I hate to say it, but it, it's, they're they're entities, they're beings. Um, mm-hmm. Just like uh, right now, we can look at at what's already happening, right? Or what we know, um, corporations are beings. They have rights. Um, they uh, follow laws. Um, AI, in my opinion, um, and the way I feel about it, um, 
um, will become entities that will um, have rights and should be treated um, in a in a in a um, well the way we want to be treated. Um, yeah, just there should be some fairness there, and there should be laws governing both humans and AI, and that's. That's what I believe the future, or I, I feel the future would be. Thank you very much. I'm wondering uh, who gets to decide who gets to sit at the head of the table. We all get together for dinner or in the lunchroom. At the, well, we're all working remote anyway. It's okay. Thank you, Maricel. So happy to have you back. Next around the table, Ian Gertler at, Ian, say it again. <laughs> Simplegades. Simplegades. Uh, D's. I got it. I got it. Ian has sent us a quote, a, a beautiful quote. I think it's beautiful, Ian, from Leonardo da Vinci, who, his full name, full disclosure, Leonardo de Ser Piero da Vinci. Uh, Frank, I hope I said that with the right accent. You may not be the expert on this. I don't know. Uh, Leonardo <laughs> lived from 1452 to 1519. He was commonly called Leonardo da Vinci. And some people just call him Leonardo. But then we have a movie star who goes by, uh, never mind. He was an Italian polymath of the the Renaissance, his areas of interest. Get this. You know, we all talk about Ian and Maricel and, and Masha and Frank. We talk about all the things we've done in our careers and we talk about all of our interests. Well, get this. Here's what Leonardo interest was interested in and probably excelled in all of them. Invention, painting, sculpting, architecture, science, music, mathematics, engineering. I'm not done. Literature, anatomy, geology, astronomy, botany, writing, history, and cartography. 16 areas. He's also called the father of paleontology, ethnology, and architecture, and one of the greatest painters of all time. And he was the Renaissance humanist ideal. I, I don't know if we're all busy enough doing enough stuff, Ian, but here's the quote from Leonardo that is going to rock this part of the conversation. Simplicity is the ultimate form of sophistication. Ian, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Um, very well. Thank you for asking. Talk to me about the quote. We're talking AI. We're talking the future of humanity. Where does simplicity come in and how sophisticated do we need to be? Well, you know, it's interesting. All the things you listed about Leonardo da Vinci, I guess he's, you know, the original liberal arts major. Um, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Don't step on the laugh. Let me have my laugh. That was a good one. Leonardo da Vinci, the original. Li I love it because I was a liberal arts major. Oh, boy. Go ahead. I, I had to say that one. Beautiful, beautiful comment. Ian, Ian go ahead. Well, I think, you know, we often look at technology or, you know, really anything in life, and it's about how much can we get, how much can we add, how much can we extend things. But the problem, especially in technology, has been as you keep adding things without truly discovering what's needed, what's wanted, what's relevant, you have these bloated things that it's very hard to use. You complicate what should be simple. So I think with this, it's really you know, stemming from the idea of design thinking. It's not just what something looks like, it's how it functions and the experience it creates. So I think it's very important and relevant to AI because we're in the era, era of the API. You don't need everything created and automatically packed in something. Now with the APIs, you can connect when it's relevant and valuable as opposed to confusing and complicating the situation. 
Ah, confusing and complicating. Yes, simplicity. We will try. We will strive for that. Thank you very well put, Ian. And again, welcome back. And now let's go around the table to the lady who's been waiting so patiently. It's Masha Kroll. She spells her last name K-R-O-L. She is at Element AI, and she has a wonderful quote going Back even farther in history than Leonardo, she selected a quote from Aristotle, 384 to 322 B.C., so the numbers went the other way, large numbers to small numbers. Ancient Greek philosopher and scientist born in the city, for some reason this is important, Stagira Chalkidiki in the north of classical Greece, along with Plato, Aristotle is considered the father of Western philosophy. And here's something I did not know about him, Masha, and I don't know if anybody on the panel does. He established a library in the Lyceum, which helped him produce many of his hundreds of books, which were papyrus scrolls. So he may have been one of the earliest book publishers, but he, he did a library. He got a library going so he could afford that. I thought that was great. Here is the quote Masha has selected from Aristotle. This is the main question. With what activity one's leisure is filled? Masha Kroll, how are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me back. Delighted. We couldn't do this without you, and you brought such a great <laughs> quote. Talk to me. How you? We're just going back in time, back, back, back in these quotes. How did you pick this very interesting quote from Aristotle? It's a bit of a funny quote to be mentioning on the business uh, kind of radio show, right? So, But mm-hmm. I've been thinking more about the conversation that we started in the first part of this discussion, and it was all around what will we as humans focus on as more and more tasks become automated or helped by artificial intelligence. And I remember we highlighted that intent is the thing that humans will drive for some foreseeable future. Um, But if we think about leisure, there's kind of a corollary quote that says something like, what do you do in your leisure is who you are. And that's fundamentally about intentionality. So it's Mm -hmm. something I'm thinking about a lot these days, um, even in the context of work as our work and life become more integrated and harmonized instead of kind of a trade-off as it used to be in the early days. What are those goals, outcomes, intents that we focus on in in our time? Very interesting way of looking at it. And and Masha, as we talk more and more about AI and machine learning, one of the questions comes up, and Frank, I'm sure you get this all the time, Maricel and Ennian too, is what will happen to my job if everything is automated and the machine learning knows more about how to get something done than I do as a human? What if AI takes away my opportunity to earn a living? And that takes us to the quote, Masha, what one's acti- one's leisure is filled with, and, and there's big debate. That's not really part of our topic today, but a debate on what will we do if we don't have to, quote-unquote, work the old-fashioned way, the way we currently are? What will we do with our time and maybe more important with our brains, with our minds? How will we earn intellectual capital, if you will, and protect our intellectual and curiosity assets? Masha, any quick comment on that before I go around to Frank and find out what he's drinking today? <laughs> I think that is a really big part of the future of humanity, which is what we're talking about today, in the sense that I think our work and our leisure will become more and more integrated and meshed, and therefore we'll really have to think about designing for that. 
Thank you very much. Good point, all. And let's circle around. Let's see. We've got so much to talk about. So let's make this really quick. Uh, number one, I'll ask each of you, where are you calling from today? Number two, what's your favorite, favorite, favorite drink in the whole wide world that makes you so smart? And number three, give me two or three sentences on what you're, you've been up to since we spoke last a few months ago. Frank Diana, TCS, you're up first. I'm in New Jersey, so I'm fortunate to be in my home office today. Uh, I am uh, a real big wine fanatic, and I think wine really helps my brain cells. <laughs> and then three, <laughs> three, I've been spending an awful lot of time on the road um, talking in various forms about all the things we just talked about in this uh, intro. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And is the term futurist something that you think more and more young people are going to want to aspire to be? Is there a school that trains people to be a futurist like you, Frank, when they grow up? I don't know if you're grown up yet. I'm not. But is it, how, do you, how does somebody learn to be a futurist? Uh, there's just a number of different things involved with being a futurist. And I think the biggest thing is systems thinking and an ability to see a number of dots and connect them. Thank you very much. We'll talk about those dots during the show. And let's circle around to Marisol Kabahug, Chief Design Officer at SAP. Marisol, where are you? What's your favorite drink in the whole world? I made up a word there. And what are you up to briefly as the CDO at SAP? I am actually in Palo Alto. Um, my home um, office or home location, I should say. Um, I my favorite drink, um, similar to Frank, um, it's, it's a, you know champagne. I just love um, to watch those bubbles rise up, and it's it's great to um, to cap any day. Um, it it brings that um, that closure to to any um, day. Um, what I'm busy, uh, what I've been doing since um, we last. Um, chatted, I was traveling a lot, like Frank, um, strategizing and working with the um, leaders at SAP um, on how we can deliver the best user experience for our users, um, because they deserve it. Um, So yeah, that keeps me busy. Thank you very much. Lovely to have you back. And a shout out to Esther, I think her last name is Blankenship at SAP, who has been communicating with me about your appearing. And we've gotten your your current bio updated on the guest directory and your photo. And just tell Esther I said thank you. Okay? My, thank okay, you. Marisa. She's wonderful. She, she is. I always enjoy her emails. Tell her I said so. Ian Gertler, where in the world are you today at Simplegatis? Did I get that right? Simplegatis. Did I get it right finally? <laughs> Simplicities, but you know what? You are with the other I'm really trying. Nine percent of the people that get it that way. <laughs> I am really trying, Ian. You're really making. I, I, I pride well, myself on saying. It actually comes from a Greek mythology story about Jason and the Argonauts, which a lot of people know. And the clashing rocks in that story—they were called the Simplicities. So when I started doing what I do. I said, well, Ian Gertler Consulting is very boring. What do I actually do? <laughs> and I help people get through their clashing rocks. So that's why it's called Simplegades. Simplegades. I now am spelling it S-Y-M-P-L-E-H accent dash G-A dash D-E-E-S. Simplegades. Did I get it right? You just did. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna live this down. Where are you? Where are you? What do you love to drink that powers you to pick such an interesting and hard to pronounce name for your company? And what have you been up to, Ian? Go ahead. 
Uh, well, I'm calling from North Carolina, not too far from you. Yeah. Uh, in the Raleigh area. Yeah. Um, my favorite drink is typically coffee. It's what I pretty much rank a little higher than oxygen these days. Although after this week, I'll probably go to a nice vodka and tonic with a lemon and lime. Mm. And as far as what I've been doing, um, it's interesting. I've been traveling a lot, speaking with different companies and really talking about the fact that technology, you know, people look at it as a solution, but it's actually not the solution. It's the facilitator that helps people solve. So that's been the focus. Thank you very much, Simplegades. I got it. I got it. You got it. Two points. I got it. <laughs> I respelled the whole thing. You should see what it looks like in my notes. Simplegades. I got it. I am so sorry. Masha Kroll has it works for a company that's easier. Element AI. Masha is an experienced designer. Masha, of course, the three questions. Where are you today? What do you love to drink that makes you sound so happy on the radio and makes you feel so smart? And what do you do at Element AI these days? So I'm calling in from our very hot, hot, humid Montreal office of Element AI. Well, to be fair, the office itself is not hot and humid, but outside (laughs) it very much is, Um, which is why, uh, as we talked last time, my favorite drink in the world is kombucha. But today, there's water in my cup. I'm really trying. I used to suffer from these debilitating headaches, and I mostly, you know, earned them the old-fashioned way through consumption of alcoholic beverages. But (laughs) I recently discovered rock climbing a few years ago and I've had um, a chance just this year to go climbing outside and let me tell you when you climb outside in full sun all day and don't drink enough water your headache the next day is rivaling those really really exciting ones that come from having consumed a little bit too much the night before so I suppose that's what we get for trying to have fun right I think it's beautiful (laughs) I love it thank you Masha you'll never guess can anybody in the panel guess what musical instrument I just started to learn? Anybody? Frank, you know me better than most people here. Anybody can guess what I decided is my next foray into eye-hand coordination? Take yeah, a guess. Piano. I took piano, classical piano as a girl from the age of 7 to about 12 and owned pianos along the way. I have my mother's baby grand here with me in Durham here in, in my house. You can come and play it because I'm not playing yet. No? Anybody else? What do you think Tell I'm playing? It's, guitar. it's drums. All right. <laughs> That'll stop them cold. I started drum lessons at a local school of rock, and when I went to buy a drum pad, Masha, talking about headaches, I went to buy a little drum pad and sticks at a Sam Ash music place nearby, and I'm looking at the cost of these little six to eight inch drum pads, and I'm saying, how am I going to learn to hit the bass with the right foot, hit the hi-hat with the right hand, and underneath hit the snare with the left hand, Okay. And so I said to them, just sell me a drum set. So I came home Sunday night with a box. And a friend came over and we set up an entire drum set in one of my spare bedrooms. Because what else am I going to do with a spare bedroom? So anyway, I, I, I'm now learning to play the drums. Not for SAP radio, though. And by the way, they still don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. And Frank knows why. I'm not telling the rest of you. So we're having a really lively conversation here. It's 1229. I'm going to give my panelists a 60-second break. Aaron, can we just do a 60-second um, uh, hangout with whatever you have, music or ads or whatever? I just want to give them a chance and I'm going to tell them what we're going to talk about next. So whatever you're doing, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, that drum set, that guitar. Just come right back in 60 seconds because we'll be here. Aaron, out. 
business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. In a world where disruption is the new reality, industry-leading companies are partnering with their most strategic customers to navigate these changes and co-innovate for success. When industry's top minds work together to solve tough problems faster, we all run better. Join our experts as they discuss the power of co-innovation, the impact of emerging technologies on the future of business and everyday life, and the importance of helping the world run better to improve people's lives. Game Changing Conversations is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Game Changing Conversations presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Conversations. Yes, indeed. And here we are speaking today with Frank Diana at TCS, Marisol Kabahug at SAP, Ian Gertler at Simpla. I think I got it. And Masha Kroll at Element AI. Don't say a word, Ian. And we're ready for our roundtable. Our topic, if you're just tuning in, is AI. That's artificial intelligence, designing the future of humanity. Such a big topic, such smart panelists. They're back here for part two. And a shout out to Jared Pelletier and Shannon Lester at SAP who put together this topic, this panel. Jared, you did great again. So I'm looking at the statements we had from part one. There are a lot you sent me, my whole panel that we didn't use. So uh, let's start off with something Frank didn't get to last time. Frank says, nurturing our brains. We need to nurture our right brain characteristics and embrace a general movement away from left brain dominance. And he adds, left brain characteristics are the future domain of machines. Frank, is this a good thing, a bad thing, a threat, a blessing? Talk to me. Well, I mean, it depends exactly how this path plays out. But if you think about the need here, I mean, we've, we've obviously evolved from a world that was manufacturing-oriented, a tangible set of assets that companies owned and worked with, to a world that's very intangible. It's about ideas and relationships and software and all kinds of things that are digitally oriented. And obviously, as that transition continues to happen, it, it forces us to start thinking differently about things. And so that left-to-right brain uh, shift is really uh, underpinning all of that in terms of the transition, using the creativity and empathy and all those things that make us human. Uh, and if you think about the innovation that's happening at, at lightning speed these days and the fact that it will continue to do so, it really brings to bear the need to have innovative people that think this way, that leverage their cre- cre- natural creativity. And then, and then if you have to do those things, how I get this question all the time. Do people nurture that side of their brains? How do we build more creativity and imagination, not just into ourselves, but into our, our youth? And what does that mean to the education system itself? And how does it have to reorient itself to help our young move in places where they can exploit that side of their brain? Thank you, Frank. Let's see what Marcel has to say on this. Agree or disagree? I definitely agree, um, and that that that's what automation and and AI and machine learning um, allows us to do. As 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 these re- repetitive tasks um, are taken over, or, or are delegated um, to to AI and and to um, 
intelligent systems, we have um, a better chance, we have more time um, to actually explore um, what we are um, supposed to be, um, what, what humans are designed um, to do or to be, and, and that's to, to nurture our creativity and, and find new um, ways to, to live our lives um, for the better. Thank you very much. Ian, agree or disagree? We're talking left brain, right brain, and AI and machines. I definitely agree. I think all the things that Frank brought up were very much aligned with the way I think. You know, if you look at the, you know, proverbial debate about humans versus machines, it actually mirrors the whole idea of left brain, right brain. You know, somebody is much more... Um, focused on development and coding, while another person may be, you know, looking at design, creativity, marketing. The functions need to come together. It's almost like DNA. The two strands are individual, but when they merge together, that's when the magic happens and propels humanity. Thank you. I like that, propels humanity. Let's go to Masha Kroll at Element AI. Agree or disagree, Masha? I really agree, and I'd love to build on what Ian was just saying, because in my mind, these are not separate kind of distinctions, really, that we can so easily uh, differentiate the kind of left brain activity and the right brain activity in general um, would actually be productively merged. And I think if you think about creativity as a conversation more so than an individual kind of hero designer activity, then we build a very productive collaborative environment. And as we do that with our colleagues who may be more analytically inclined, we should also be able to think about doing that with AI and augmenting our creativity through that. So yes, of course, we'll need to focus a little bit more and come up a level, if you will, in terms of creativity, but we should be able to leverage the tooling of AI to have that conversation and help us out. Thank you, Masha. Great to have the passion there on the topic. Frank, I'm not going to wrap it up with you. I'm going to move on in the interest of time to something Maricel told us before the last show, but we didn't get a chance to speak on air. Maricel, you said, I believe that AI, if designed well, can provide us with more control than we have today. And you add, let's face it, a lot of the decisions we make are based on intuition. We rely on our gut feeling because we don't have access to the information and data that will allow us to make a really well-formed decision. AI will change that. Talk to me, Maricel. How are we going to design people at the center? Uh, yes, so design is all about um, people, right? So we design everything for people. But, and we have a lot of, 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 of preconceived or uh, fears about, um, about uh, AI, and, and that's the, that's the qualifying, qualifying statement, if designed well, and we owe it to ourselves to design it well. Um, but if AI is designed well, um, it can definitely provide more control, um, um, give us more control than we have today. Um, let me explain. So according to neuroscience, most of our decisions are made by our emotional brain, our rational brain's only job is is to justify the decisions we've made. So how will AI change that? Um, so AI gives us access to better data, better insights. So our decisions might still be based on, on intuition. There's nothing wrong there. And I believe this supports Frank's statement about um, the creativity and the right brain. So it's not 
wrong per se that, that our decisions are based on intuition. It makes us human. Um, but now, it, 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 but in the future, it could be better supported by facts. And facts plus our intuition together um, will um, give us more control and help us make um, better decisions. Thank you very much. Ian Gertler, comment on this. You agree about designing people at the center and having the tools to make better decisions. Well, if you look at, you know, the focus of technology, it's really supposed to create opportunities and diminish challenges, and that's really the focus of people using tools. You know, nobody creates something for the sake of just creating it. It's really about what is the goal, what insights do you want to gain, and what outcomes do you want to push forward. And, you know, if we do this the right way, technology is going to enable people to do more. You know, it's no different than when you brought up um, earlier, you know, about um, FDR and what mm-hmm. he would think today. Well, if you think back then, the foundations were put down for everything that exists today because you have to merge past, present, and future to create new things. There you go. Thank you very much. Masha, love to get you weighing in on this. What do you think? It's a really interesting point, and especially what Marisol was saying, I absolutely love that we make decisions based on intuition, and then we essentially use our rational brains to back-rationalize uh, the things that we decided. And and look, we know that we are, in a sense, predictably irrational, as Dan hmm. Ariely puts it. Um, I think we're going to have a really interesting kind of self-reflection moment when potentially AI surfaces up insights from the data that allows us to see that the things we thought were right or the reasons that we thought were the reasons for our decision-making are actually not. So as Marcel was saying, the responsibility of designing ethical and well-designed AI lies with us, and it will be a really interesting eye-opening moment for humans that use it. Thank you very much, Masha. Frank, Diana, coming around the table to you. Please join us. What do you think? Uh, there's so many places I can go with this one. <laughs> the, go ahead. Uh, the, bias, the biases that are likely to be built into some of these AI solutions, uh, that, that's the design question that Marcel started with in terms of if, if biased, then uh, it still kind of almost amplifies today's kind of social biases that we get when we're out on Facebook or other platforms. Um, and so if we do find something that changes the way we think, it is one of the toughest things for we as humans to do is to change our underlying belief systems. So it'll be interesting to see how we respond to those kinds of scenarios as, as this plays out. And I'd say that this is a broad spectrum. In the short term, I completely agree with everything said here in terms of AI augmenting humans in ways that really enable us better. But at some point on that spectrum, do we actually abdicate control to the machine? Thank you very much. Great around-the-table conversation. Thanks for that opener, Maricel. Ian, I'm looking at your statements here, and here's one we didn't cover last time. You say creativity and technology are often seen as polar opposites. However, at the end of the day, psychology and the human element should be part of the foundation. Unravel this for me. Unpack it, as they say on the news, Ian. Go ahead. Well, I think when we look at 
the use of technology, you know, it's often seen as this very programmatic, um, formulated thing that really fits to the opposite side of humanity. But let's look at what has been used lately, right? If you think about AI and IoT and sensors, you have people that, you know, essentially are suffering from diseases. Mm-hmm. We've seen Fitbit, you know, jump on the scene as well as many others. And it's great that it allows you to see how many steps you've taken, see how many miles you've walked, see how many calories you've burned. But what happens when this technology can then, you know, for example, help a diabetic see patterns in their blood sugars, see when highs and lows hit, and essentially reduce risks, both near-term and long-term. That's the merger of how technology and humanity can fit together to make an impact. And I think more and more, it's, again, Frank highlighted this as well, it's really about augmenting intelligence, not creating artificial intelligence. And, you know, at the end of the day, in my mind, curiosity is always the driver of innovation. And Mm -hmm. the more we try to figure out how do we create new things or how do we make existing things better, the more, you know, exciting it gets. Um, Of course, we have to always ensure that things like cybersecurity are part of the foundation versus an afterthought. And we'll see that emerge as well with AI. So that's kind of the thinking behind the statement. Thank you. I appreciate that. Let's let's see. That was Ian. Let's go around to Masha. What do you think, Masha? Agree or disagree? It was a mouthful Ian shared with us. <laughs> it's a it's a really interesting point. I think it brings up uh, what we were talking about earlier as well. Sort of that integration uh, and the interesting spectrum from augmenting humanity with technology and having that merger to, like Frank was saying, uh, abdicating control to the machine. I'm going to cite a study that I can't remember the actual source off the top of my head, so I'll have to look that up later. Mm -hmm. But there was a study done where uh, human operators whose tasks were automated by AI uh, at the sort of repetitive level um, and then brought back in when uh, an alert was generated or some sort of a unexpected situation came up to deal with it actually showed an increased error rate because they were so kind of out of the loop in a sense. Um, and we can see this being potentially an issue with things like self-driving cars when a human operator uh, is asked to take over control, let's say. So it's going to be a really interesting challenge to design systems that both create an augmented experience, but also who makes those decisions on when control does get abdicated and when it's actually safer, potentially less biased and more ethical to abdicate control. You hit a lot of boxes that need to be checked there, Masha. That <laughs> sounds like a big job. We might need to create a new job description for that. Frank, let's go around the table to you. What do you think? Yeah, she sure did check a few boxes there, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the the uh, you know science and technology are really expanding to a place where they can support so many of our human needs that have always been with us, but the platform to support them just hasn't been there. So if you think about the 
the challenges that we'll, we're likely to solve, whether it's hunger and poverty or some, some diseases or, or disabilities, all those things are likely to play out on a fairly accelerated timeline. I'm fairly confident that these things will benefit humanity at a large scale. But the other side of that coin is always there. And anything that can be used for positive good can be used for negative as well. And so I'm a big believer, and we've had this conversation before, Bonnie, you and I, on the ethics discussion and the balance mm-hmm. required as we progress through this wonderful two decades, I think, that we'll see some real real true progress at the humanity level. Thank you very much. And let's get to Maricel. Maricel, I'd love to get you chiming in on Ian's topic. We've been going around the table. What do you think? Okay. um, Technology always starts with um, being technology, right? So we we focus so much on the science of it. And then um, finally, we say it's mainstream when we um, hit the note on, on how does it really help people? Um, yes, it's the purpose of technology, but sometimes, most of the time, we forget that um, because we get so excited with the technology itself. Um, so, just um, I was very interested, very interesting what, what Masha just um, uh, talked about. You know how mm-hmm. the operators um, forget uh, what they've been doing before because now AI took over. Um, it just you know reflect on our daily lives before we remember. Um, our home phone number, the phone number of our friends, our family, and so on. But now, do you remember any phone number at all? Even, you know, sometimes I even have difficulty remembering my own phone number um, because everything <laughs> is programmed on your phone or you can just say, say right. hey, Siri, um, call this and that person. Um, so those are the things that uh, would be interesting to find out, um, you know, what will be the things that we give up or forget and the question is, are they really, are they worth giving up um, or are we giving up things that we don't need to necessarily do or, or, or um, are not important to us? But um, also, are we giving up too much that we give up our humanity? And those are things that we still, yeah. I don't think we have the right answers or the, the answers to. We're going to discover them over time. Thank you for your insights, Maricel. Masha, I want to pick up one topic of yours before we head into our predictions round. I think we have a brief time to go around the table. I'm not sure if we covered this one last time, but I love the concept. You say explainability in AI is a huge topic right now, but our ultimate goal is actually trust in AI. How close are we, Masha? (laughs) It's a really good question. I don't... Uh, I don't think that we are particularly close in the sense that we really need to be focusing the conversation on that. Because as we talk about explainability, especially as an actual machine learning concept and not as much as a user-facing concept in terms of breaking out the layers of deep neural nets and trying to figure out which features each one is picking out, it's a really interesting topic, but just a subset of building that kind of trusting relationship. I think it was Marcel who previously talked about thinking of AIs as entities. And I remember there's a book that was written recently about empathy for the machine. And if we Mm. do continue with that notion of a conversation between a human and an AI, what is the difference between potentially bringing on a new team member, uh, a human team member to your crew and bringing forward a product or creating some sort of value or bringing on a new AI agent into your team world and trying to understand how to work together collaboratively. I think that that 
trust-building relationship, just like you would with a new colleague, is a really interesting way to think about it. Thank you. I want to go around the table really fast and get some input on whether trust is important and whether how close we are. Frank, Diana, then Marisol Kabahag, then Ian Gertler, and then Frank, I'm going to run back to you and give you about 45 seconds for a prediction. Go ahead, Frank. <laughs> I, I think we're, we're not very close to the explainability piece. Why is it that machine learning decided something? And the trust discussion is a really big one. I, I tell you, I don't trust my GPS these days. So how do we get to a point where there is trust built into the system? I know. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, Marcel, trust, good, bad, or ugly when it comes to AI and machines. Are we there yet? Trust is absolutely necessary. Um, We as humans don't give up um, any of um, anything if we don't trust um, if we don't have trust, and that trust must be de- designed um, into the system so that we, uh, our workers, um, you know, let's say abdicate some of their responsibilities. So if I'm responsible for something, I will not let anyone um, take over it or, or do it for me if I don't have the, that trust. And so that is the foundation of the relationship for humans and AI. Thank you very much. And Ian, got to get you in here real fast. What do you think? Well, trust is a great topic because it touches so many things. You know, I think the foundation for trust is always access and education. And with that, you can then learn and figure out things and determine, can I trust something? But at the same time, how many people do we actually trust? So you got to throw that in there if you're going to question trust of machines. Thank you very much. And, Masha, I'm going to wait for your prediction because I'm going back around the table to Frank. Diana, Frank, 60 seconds. That's all we've got for each of you. What's going to happen, let's say, after 2020? Anything major in terms of trust, AI, designing better human, people-centered experiences, the future of humanity. That's our topic. Frank, Diana, 60 seconds. Go. I think you're going to see an accelerated progression of AI in the next three to five years. There's just so much going on to fuel that from the academic research to techno-philanthropists that are spending a lot of their wealth on advancing AI and and robotics and all kinds of things. And you actually see a, a period now where businesses are looking at their core businesses, realizing that they have to move to other places and actually starting to accelerate the the pace of some of these advances as well. So there's a number of forces converging that I believe are really going to uh, witness an explosion in the value of AI in the next three to five years. Thank you very much. Let's go on to Maricel Cabahug at SAP. Maricel, predictions, i got 60 seconds. That's it. Go. It will be an exciting future for all of us. Um, like Frank said, um, it, everything is accelerating at a pace that we cannot even predict. Um, and I believe um, with all of these discussions um, and everybody involved um, in, in shaping that future, I cannot wait for, um, for actually being in that future and living it and shaping it now. How exciting. That was beautiful, Maricel. That was really, really lovely. I like that. It sounds like a New Year's wish and we're only in August. So, wow, that was great. Ian Gertler, go ahead. What do you predict? Opportunities and challenges. You know, when you look at everything that's going on, especially with emerging technology, we see more and more silos. And we really need an integration of efforts 
to propel things. You know, AI isn't going to be the AI department that sits over here in the corner of the building. AI is going to touch everything. It's going to mm-hmm. work with IoT. It's going to work with machine learning. It's going to touch, you know, autonomous driving and healthcare. As that happens, it creates new opportunities, but it also brings, you know, to the front of the line cybersecurity and ethics. So I think there's a lot of exciting things and a lot of scary things to come. I like the reality check. And Masha Kroll, I saved 60 seconds for you. Go ahead. What do you see? I'm really curious myself about the human-AI interaction piece. How do we actually interoperate, augment ourselves, grow better together? How do we figure out what the next step is in terms of what we busy ourselves with, what we spend our time on? And I'm talking about both the intentionality and discovery and curiosity piece, but also the brass tacks of actual interaction. We still tend to think about AI as something that comes through software, whether delivered through a laptop or uh, a mobile phone or maybe now voice interfaces. But what are Mm -hmm. the modalities that we haven't really explored, like, you know, electromagnetic waves and brainwave operated devices that allow us to kind of plug in? I'm super curious about that neurotechnology integration piece. Thank you very much. I, I have to make a comment. Great, great predictions. All. I have to make a comment. Who was it? Maricel, you said we don't even remember our own phone numbers anymore. We just plug in. Were you the one, I think? Yes. And and Frank, uh, did you say you don't even trust your GPS anymore? Was that Frank, Diana? Uh, yes, that Frank, was me. I am still trying to figure out east and west. Uh, Ian Gertler can appreciate that. We have, four, we have 40 and 440. We have 540. East and west, intersecting north-south roads. I've been here 11 months. I live with the GPS in my, on my phone because I just bought a 370Z Fabulous car, but the system on the GPS built in is from 2015, and the cost to replace that and upgrade the software is huge. So I live with that phone and the little cup holder next to me when I'm driving. I couldn't get anywhere without my GPS, so I have to trust it, and I have no clue what my landline phone number is, but thank God I remember my cell number because that's all I use, and I brought it from New York. So, hello, I'm in North Carolina, but I'm at a 516. That's all I have to say. We've got 30 seconds. I can't thank this panel enough. The four of you have been extraordinary. Your interactions, your camaraderie, your back and forth, your commenting on each other. You impressed me again, the four of you. And I hope we can do this again because I thought it was great. And I know the audience appreciated it. And Shannon Lester, thanks for sponsoring the series. Jared Pelletier, you knew it. You knew. Get him back for part two, the next show. And and it rocked. So thank you for all your prep work, helping me figure out where the topic should go, Jared. I really appreciate it. I'm Bonnie D. We've been talking about AI designing the future of humanity. We're still working on it. It's a work in progress. So here's my call to action. And thank you to Aaron, our World Talk engineer radio extraordinaire. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, even though it's pouring rain here in Durham and Raleigh. And be a game changer, just like Frank Diana, TCS, Marisol Cabahug at SAP, Ian Gertler at Simple. Simple Gates. I got it. And Marsha Kroll at Element AI. Everybody have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel with another live episode of our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers. Drink up. Bye-bye.
Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Conversations. Best run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.